hit the right page here. Our scripture, our first scripture reading for today <clears throat> is um, Psalm 145, chapter 1, <clears throat> excuse me, verses 1 through 10 and 21. I will extol you, my God and sovereign, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall laud your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. I will meditate. The might of your awesome deeds shall be proclaimed and I will declare your greatness. They shall celebrate the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his compassion is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your faithful shall bless you. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. Our second scripture reading today comes from Paul's epistle to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 18 through 30. <clears throat> Listen for the word of God. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not, time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies, for in hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope, for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This ends our scripture reading for today.
So on May Day, I invite you to wonder. Not to wonder in the sense of curiosity. You know, I, I wonder why he did that. I wonder why they set things up the way they did. I did there's nothing wrong with being curious. In, indeed, it's, it's inevitable, that kind of wondering, and very much to be desired. But I don't mean that. And I also don't mean wonder in the sense of wonderful. Last Sunday, Mando Cordova gave us a wonderful repetition of a wonderful song called It's a Wonderful World. Wonderful is good, it's great, but usually when we use that word, we're still stopping short of what I am inviting you now to focus on. And by the way, I don't mean wonderful in the sense of exciting, although who's not for excitement? Boredom, you know, is not one of the traditional seven deadly sins. But in our rich and fascinating world, especially in our age, it really should be named the eighth deadly sin. If you are bored, ask God to forgive you. And then go out and look at nature. We've had this poster up in our kitchen for years. You Laguna Beach folks will hopefully appreciate it, even though there aren't any penguins here, are there? It shows a group of penguins on Antarctic ice. And the quote is from the great American poet Walt Whitman. Quote, to me the sea is a continual miracle. The fishes that swim, the rocks, the motion of the waves, the ships with human beings in them. What stranger miracles are there? Miracles. That's it. I mean wonder in the sense of feeling awe. You know, the universal exclamation these days for something one approves of you hear it even for little kids, from little kids? That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I mean, is that adjective a bit spoiled from overuse or what? When did you last actually feel awe? And in relation to what? That's what I mean by wonder. The sense of being amazed, dumbfounded, overwhelmed, with a, a good overwhelm, not a bad overwhelm, a feeling of being exalted, enraptured in a totally unexpected way. Nowadays, the onset of wonder in this sense, we, we call it being blown away, don't we? Some, because something we're experiencing is just, well, I mean, mind-blowing. Mind-blowingly complex or beautiful or great. Something you might even call 
miraculous. Something that's taking you out of your low-key, humdrum place that you were in and reminding you all of a sudden that being alive is a thing of wonder. Now my other key word for this morning, glory and glorious. The Bible doesn't use the word wonder very much, but it uses the word glory a lot. For example, these words from the 145th Psalm, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. God's greatness is unsearchable. Of the glorious splendor of your majesty, Lord God, and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. I'll come to the scripture in a moment. Right now, I'd like you to close your eyes, or inviting you to close your eyes, to go within yourself again for a moment, and to remember a moment when you felt wonder in the sense I'm talking about. Go back into that moment. Thanks. I don't know if you ever have a time of sharing testimonies here at Neighborhood, but I'd sure like to hear some of yours. I've got to tell you two things that came up for me when I was thinking about this. First, on one occasion, listening to the third Brandenburg concerto of Johann Sebastian Bach, the William Tell Overture didn't do it for me as much, uh, but, uh, but the Brandenburg Concerto. And on another occasion, looking at my wife's face, her eyes, just gazing at her, in silence, and thinking, how did I get her? I mean, both times I was transfixed, transported. Not for long, but heck, experiences like that don't have to be for long, do they? Even if they're just a couple of minutes, you come to realize that human, our human life has a dimension of height and depth which in the routine of our days we forget about again and again. I want to say to you this morning that part of our responsibility as Christians is to cultivate such moments, to put ourselves into a position to experience them. Experience them. This doesn't... This doesn't take away from our other responsibilities, namely to love others and to work for peace and justice and ecological sanity and all that. On the contrary, having these moments will enhance these other aspects of our Christian living. So how do we maximize the sense of wonder in our lives? 
How do we feel and know as often as possible from day to day, month to month, year to year, what an amazing thing it is to be alive? Amen. Amen. <laughs> my belief, reinforced again and again throughout my life, is that we do this primarily by just getting into relationship with God. God. I mean, is that word still okay in our advanced scientific age or not? Lots of people, especially in the younger generation, are avoiding it. Maybe because we in the older generation have used that little three-letter word too much or too cheaply or too misleadingly. Last Sunday, after our terrific Earth Day service, I was talking with one of you who referred to source, capital S, meaning what I mean by God. My younger daughter, when she wants to acknowledge that something really good has happened to her, she says, well, the universe was sure looking out for me. The source, the universe, okay. But friends, I got to tell you, and I hope you are more receptive than the preacher's kids in my house, God is more than our source. God is more than the universe. Indeed, God created the universe. God is well not every, God isn't everything, but everything comes from God. And the more we can focus on that incredible fact, the more we're likely to feel, I believe, amazement, awe, and wonder, and joy. And I'll yeah, the other fruits of the Spirit. When I, I mean, even when he was, but I gotta confess, even when he was a teenager, my older son Jonathan said to me one day, Dad, the problem I've got with you is that you've got only one song. I said, Oh, yeah, what's that, Jonathan? He said, Well, it goes something like this. God, 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 God. Well, it's true I'm not musical. <laughs> Thank God some of you are. And it's true that I'm very focused on God, but I've got to tell you, I'm happy about that. Here are the traditional theological terms. God is omnipotent, has all power. God is omniscient, knows everything. And God is omnipresent, present everywhere simultaneously. We all drive the freeway, don't we? 
or busy surface streets? Does it ever occur to you that at every moment you're on the freeway, God isn't just aware of you and of everything going on inside you, but God is equally and simultaneously aware of every other driver on the freeway, completely unknown to you and completely different in their life from you. God is aware of them, every one of the thousands of them simultaneously and of everything that is going on inside every one of them. I mean, does that blow your mind? At least a little bit? It, it does mine. God is infinite, inexhaustible, eternal. God has always been, always will be. I mean, do you ever make a point of looking up at the stars at night? Do you ever reflect on what the astronomers have told us about the extent of the universe? Does it boggle your mind? To use an older term, I hope so. Before all that, though, before all that was, God is. God brought all of that, including us, into being. Okay, so you're a down-to-earth, practical-feeling type. You're not a speculative-thinking type. You can still get into God in a way which provokes your wonder and amazement. Do you ever exclaim, OMG! Oh my God! About what? I can imagine some of you make that explanation or maybe something more profane when you hear about something bad that's happened. Yes. A lot of really bad stuff happens. There's such a huge amount of injustice and oppression and abuse and addiction and ugly indifference and outright evil in the world. And if there is one good reason to doubt the existence of God, or to doubt that if God exists, she is all-powerful, surely it's this. The ongoing existence of evil and the presence of so much suffering. About that, we can't feel wonder, can we? Our hearts can't rise in wonder at that, but only sink in potential despair. What then? Here is where, if nowhere else, we can, I think, must and must turn to the gospel, to the wonder of the coming of this man, Jesus, to be here with us, to the fact that he suffered and died for us, and then above all, to his coming alive again in a way which means that he will never die. This is what we celebrate in the season of Easter, and this brings us to the other word I named, glory.
The psalm speaks of the glorious splendor of God's majesty. Majesty! Yes, but even if God has majesty, what can that mean to us given the state of humanity and the planet? Well, let's go to this other scripture from Paul's letter to the Romans. This is what Paul writes. I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And that could also be translated, the glory about to be revealed in us. And he writes something very similar to the Corinthians. This slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight, an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. And a bit later, he seems to be saying that the glory is already available to us. He says, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to God's purpose. Those who God predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he has also glorified. Well, friends, do you feel glorified? Do you perceive glory? Any, do you ever perceive glory in you? or in your life? What in the world is glory, anyway? Do you ever use the word? It's present throughout the Bible. I remind you that at the end of the Lord's Prayer, we make the affirmation to God, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That is, it's not just that you got power, God. You got glory. And not just for a while, but forever. So let's be honest and ask ourselves and each other, do we believe in that? In glory? And that it's coming? And I hope you don't think that Paul is, is just being cheap and getting into pie-in-the-sky stuff at this point. Paul had been through it like few human beings. And here's John Calvin, without whom none of us would be sitting here today, writing in Geneva almost 500 years ago, the most famous sentence he ever wrote, the chief end, the chief purpose of humanity is to glorify God and enjoy God forever. Get that. Enjoy God. Because God is, well, glorious. And because God has shared her glory with us and with everything she has brought into being. And Paul also speaks of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Glory something which is just too bright and too magnificent and too majestic and too wonderful to be put into human words, 
but which we can glimpse in anticipation already, even in this dark world, if we just stay connected with God. So that's my message to you this morning, brothers and sisters. This is what awaits all of us, every single one of us. Because God has forgiven us, God has called us, God has set everything right in the crucified and risen Jesus Christ. I suggest to you that this is something to wonder at. Not to wonder about, but to wonder at and to be grateful for and to praise God for. Some people poo-poo the belief in eternal life. They say, oh, I'd get bored after a while. They have no clue. What awaits us all by the grace of God is endless wonder and love and awe and joy. Thanks and praise to God. Amen.